Have a seat. So today, we're continuing what's under your skin. This is uh, the passage that's known as uh, the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. If you've got a Bible uh, there on your phone or in your lap or something, I'd encourage you to turn there. We're just going to quickly read, well, not quickly, we're going to have a a look at what, uh, what Paul here says to the church. He's just outlined um, these bad things that are happening in, uh, in people's lives, the, the works of the flesh. Uh, and now he says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these there is no law. I was really apprehensive when Tim came and said to me, um, gentleness and self-control. Uh, do, do you want to speak on these? <laughs> I'm like, no, have you got brash and opinionated? Can I? <laughs> I absolutely own those. Um, but uh, it's been a really good challenge to, to think about these things. Um, yeah, so let, let's dive in um, and bear with me as we go through this. I'm the very first person to say the, these are probably, of, of the list we see here, probably the hardest for me. All right, so some things about me. I, uh, I really love fun facts. I mean, I love fun facts. So, for instance, last night on TV, um, there was a movie, uh, Back to the Future 3. Has everybody seen, anybody seen Back to the Future? Okay, there's, there's a band in that, yeah, that, that's playing, and I don't know if you know, but it's actually ZZ Top is playing in that movie. Fun fact, there's three guys in ZZ Top. Two of them have really long beards, and the guy who doesn't have a beard, his name is Frank Beard. I find that hilarious for some reason. Um, I, I really don't know why, but those are the kind of things I love that just pop up all of a sudden. I was at work the other day, and uh, I got a new stapler. I'm very excited about that, because uh, I was sick of having to borrow other people's staplers. And so um, Andrew, this guy at work, and go, says, here, Peter, finally you can stop stealing my stapler. And I'm a fun fact... Fun fact, the stapler was originally commissioned by uh, King Louis XV of France. He wanted a better way to bind official documents together. He was sick of tying and using the, the, uh, the wax that people would use. Uh, fun fact, I really love fun facts. And today, we're going to play a fun fact game. Some of you will know this, but some of you won't. Let's go, Geordie. So, guess this herb. I promise this is a herb. Let's go. Number one. Oh, now keep, keep, keep your ideas to yourself, just in case some people will know it and some won't. Let's go with another one. And again. Oh. Sorry about the pixelation, it's really hard to find big pictures of things. Again. That's a nice flower. This flower actually, when, when this herb is just about ready to give its goodness away, this flower kind of opens up and those little yellow things become... Next, Geordie. Bananas. Yeah, let's see the last one. So, fun fact, the banana is a herb. Hands up if you knew that already. Yeah, good. Like, a, a good proportion, but, like, I'd say maybe two-thirds of us. True. The, the plant that bananas grow on, although they, the banana themselves uh, bear, they are a fruit of this tree because they have seeds in, in them, the tree that they grow from has no wood in it. It's just this big, leafy, green thing. 
So the, the, the plant of the banana, if you will, is green, it is leafy, it is not woody. It's actually quite tall, uh, gets to be quite tall, and actually rejuvenates every year. Like they die and, and, and grow on every single year, and they're really easy to cut down. You can do it with like a little, little knife. Just some fun facts that I uh, like to, to regurgitate every now and again. Well, that's a bad word image. Uh, my next fun fact is also to do with fruit, nothing to do with herbs, because in this passage, we're looking at the fruit of the Spirit. So fun fact number, what are we up to, four, I think, um, is, oh, well, I guess it's going to be fun fact number two, is that the word here that Paul is using is singular. Paul's not saying to the church, churches in Galatia, the fruits of the Spirit are this, 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 and this. He's talking about the one fruit. If, for those who are interested in that kind of research, go and have a look at it. Uh, it's, it's actually really fascinating that the fruit, the singular fruit of the Spirit that Paul is talking about here looks like this. Love, joy, peace. It's not the group of fruits. It all describes the one thing. So like the banana plant we saw, it uh, is green, has flowers, has yellow things that are funny shaped and delicious off the end of it. Uh, oh, another fun fact. Uh, the bananas you buy at the supermarket, they're never, ever picked ripe. They ripen on the way there. I don't know why I care about that. Fun fact. The fruit of the, ba the banana plant is all these things. It is green. It is tall. It is herbaceous. It is uh, fruit-bearing. It is big and leafy. And like an orange, it has color, has juice, has seeds, has size. So that's the idea Paul is trying to get across here. In this passage, he's describing one fruit. Interestingly, though, because Paul loves a little bit of wordplay here and there, he's kind of suggesting something else as well. He's probably suggesting that not only is the outworking of the Spirit like a fruit that we can hold in our hands, but there's a business term that Paul might be referring to as well, it seems. In the first century uh, world, uh, when Paul was around, there was a term fruit, the same word was used uh, to refer to interest, like you would think of interest uh, in your bank. You put money in the bank, you get a little bit, bit of interest. It's the fruit of your investment, if you will. The fruit of the Spirit is like interest. It's like a return on an investment. So we've been talking about what this spiritual fruit looks like, and, and Tim and others have, have been giving us a great picture of what these different characteristics, these different aspects of the fruit is. Remember, it was, uh, it's joyous. Hopefully, since starting this series, you've, you've been a little more joyous. That's not just about smiling, but finding joy in life. It's peaceful. I've been asking myself, am I more peaceful? I have a toddler. Sometimes I have to remember to be peaceful. Am I more patient? Definitely need to work on being patient. Am I kind? Well, you get the idea. Going through this list... Hopefully this, this series, looking at spirituality, what it looks like, has encouraged you to, to have a look and to think, how can I be more kind? How can I be more loving? How can I be more patient? Today we're going to roll a couple of these aspects into one. They're really, hopefully you'll see, that they're actually really carefully linked. So we'll get a handle on what Paul has to say about these words. The first word, of course, uh, is gentleness. Uh, and depending on what translation you read, uh, sometimes it might say humility or it might say meekness. 
Uh, meekness is not a word we use much these days, I guess, in society. Uh, but it's an interesting thing, fun fact. Uh, Moses was noted as being the most meek of, of all people at the time. And I think that he's an interesting example because he wasn't weak. Meekness, some people conf- confuse it with weakness. And Moses was in charge of, depending on how you number, maybe millions of people. Like He was a dude with power, but he also had a lot of meekness. In Numbers 12, we're told this. And this is happening in the middle of his brother and his sister coming and accusing him of something bad. And instead of going, don't you know who I am? I am Moses. I parted the Red Sea. I'm the guy. Instead of acting like that, he just calmly listens to what they say and waits for God to take care of it. Go and have a read of it. God does take care of it. His sister gets leprosy. Um, So just remember that meekness is couched in power. So you can call meekness what you want. Or humility, or gentleness is probably the term I'll use most. Call it what you like, but it's being better at something, or being more powerful at something, but choosing not to force that on other people. Choosing not to inflict that sometimes on others. Being gentle is all about how we choose to relate to the other person. It's a word about choices, about decisions. And that's life, what life is, yeah? It's, life is full of choices and decisions, whether that's actions or attitudes. In 2 Corinthians 10.1, Paul even goes so far as to say that meekness is the, is the whole point of his ministry. He says that Jesus' meekness, his gentleness, was the very reason Paul did what he did. And it makes sense that Jesus should be a good example for this. In fact, Jesus is the ultimate example, I would suggest, um, Because after all, his very existence was an example of being better than everybody, but not enforcing that on others. Jesus, who is God himself, chose to be like us. There's a theological term for this, if you're interested in, again, research, fun fact. Um, It's called the kenosis. Don't worry too much about that. But it's uh, the idea that is sometimes translated... He emptied himself. It's, it's, that's not really what's going on there. Um, the, the idea that God emptied himself of who he was is, is not helpful because obviously Jesus didn't become not God. We need Jesus to remain God. So rather, it's more like, as one translated put, translation put it, he chose not to flaunt his deity while he walked amongst us. Let me say that again. He chose not to flaunt his deity while he walked amongst us. It's almost like Jesus pressed pause on aspects of his character to relate to us. We see an example of this in Mark, uh, chapter 13, where he's talking about the end times and what's going to happen in the very end and the timing of all that. And he says, the angels don't know when when the Father will wind everything up. Uh, In fact, even the Son himself currently doesn't know. So whilst he was here on earth, Jesus chose to not access aspects of himself for our sake. This is really, really important because he needs to get down on our level. So let's read that again. Have you got that next slide there for me, Jordan? He gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. He chose not to flaunt his deity while he walked amongst us. This is the ultimate humility or weakness, or gentleness, if you will. 
like a big brother who could totally out-wrestle his little brother, or a mother who could outrun their toddler, but instead crawls or walks slowly beside them. Or when everybody here laughs anytime Tim makes a joke about how good Adelaide is. Uh, it's all better for relationship. Like the brothers, sorry, like the brothers that are, that are playing, like the mother with the child, and like us with Tim. Uh, it's all about relationship. We make these choices. We, we don't do as awesome as we could be for the sake of this relationship. So likewise, Jesus slowed down for us. He stooped down to be like us. Still God in every way, but he came down to our level to be better for our relationship. He didn't hold a grudge. Even hanging there on the cross, dying, people spitting on him and, and mocking him, he stayed there for relationship, for our relationship with him. Jesus had to get up there, had to be punished, had to die for us. And thankfully, he eventually rose again and, and beat death for us for our relationship with him. That's the ultimate example of gentleness, isn't it? Of power under control for the sake of a relationship. And hopefully it's a lesson we can learn. This type of gentleness is it's not holding a grudge so somebody else can experience grace. It's not insisting on our rights in order that somebody else might get a chance to grow. It's not wanting all the attention on me so that somebody else can feel honoured. And with the time drawing to a close, Tim has been a great picture of this, I, I feel. Right? But we have other people in our lives, hopefully, who, who have demonstrated this to us. Parents seem to do it a lot. They try to focus the, 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 the attention on their children. Grandparents do it heaps. Uh, people honouring other people so that that, uh, that other person might feel honoured. This is an example of gentleness, of this meekness or humility. This is true gentleness. And Paul really is trying to attach these ideas together. Again, he's talking about spirituality as a whole, and he moves quickly uh, to the next word, which is self-control. Where, self where gentleness was, was about our choices in our, in our behaviours towards uh, people, our choices... This word seems to be more about uh, reactions. It's a word that not only Paul uses. Um, we see other church leaders at the time using it as well. Uh, Paul used it in 1 Corinthians 7. He's talking about our, how we respond to desire. Uh, he's talking about people who give in to their desire, and, and some people need to take uh, measures not to give in to desire, and some people uh, can develop strength to... to to work through those things. It's a, it's a word that talks about our response to desire. It's a word about how we respond to guilt and to shame. And it's a word about responding in hard times and in crisis. And Peter talked about that uh, at, a, at great length, actually. He had been through a few things himself. Now, it's not saying we don't have passions. It's not saying we don't have desires and emotions or even distractions or temptations. But self-control, this word self-control, shows that we can choose how we respond to these things. We can choose how we respond. Because that's the price God has paid for us. We're no longer 
controlled by sin. We're no longer controlled by things around us. But because of the Spirit in us, we get to choose. We get to choose how we relate to people, and that was gentleness. And we get to choose how we react to things. And this is self-control. It shows that we can choose how we respond to these things as evidence of our spirituality. And that's evidence of our relationship with God. Love, joy, peace, all these things are evidence of our relationship with God. Interestingly, God even says that these things, which sound a little bit like worksy, you know, where we're very careful not to say we've got to earn our salvation, they sound a little worksy, but actually, if you look in 1 Thessalonians 4, God says these things please him. How we live our lives pleases him. Check it out sometime in 1 Thessalonians 4. How we walk, how we conduct ourselves, and Paul was speaking specifically to these guys in Thessalonica, saying that they're doing a great job and he hopes they do better. He says, how you act is pleasing God. Because Jesus has paid a price for us, we no longer have to serve that master, that, that, that law of sin around us. And we now have a choice. And years ago, someone like, was trying to illustrate this to me uh, and likened it to, to a dog, if you will. Um, we don't have a pet, but I grew up with pets, so I, I think this, this holds true to me. Uh, there are three kinds of dogs you see if you go out and about. There's the dog that is held on a leash, yeah? And the owner holds it with a really tight leash because it's, it's trying to get it right here and trying to run around here, oh, you know, like grabbing at everything. This, this dog has to be held close. And that lead is like the law, this experience that we have, or the Old Testament especially, but people have with the law. They need this strict list of things that make sure that I'm under control. Now, we're not like that anymore because God has paid a price for us and put his spirit within us. We don't have a law that binds us to a certain behavioral conduct or, or a, a relationship. We're not bound like that. But we're more like a dog that has no leash. Now, when you go to the park and you see dogs without a leash, you see three kinds of dogs, you see two kinds of dogs without a leash. One kind of dog, quite often nowhere near their owner. In fact, they're off running around, looking, sniffing people, things, like leaving their mark on, on things. They're just running a little bit crazy over, what's this over here? Oh, oh. that kind of dog. You know, they, they've got no control at all. Well, I mean, they might, but they're certainly not evidencing it, and they're certainly not hanging out near their owner. And what Paul uh, gets at here when he talks about liberty, this idea that Jesus has paid a price and put his spirit in us. And this idea of liberty is about that dog you see at the park, that is hanging out with their owner. They're free. They could go wherever they want, and the owner might even allow them to do so. So sometimes they'll walk away a little bit. Oh, what's this over here? I can smell something over here. But they don't go too far. This dog walks by their owner, by their master, like this image up here, because, because they love them, because of that relationship. These things please God, living with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and, and gentleness and self-control. These things please God. And when he sees these things in us, it's like that, that dog with a great relationship with their master, just walk, walking by, hanging out with their master because they love him. 
So as I think about what this means, what it means for me every single day, because the difference Jesus makes is about every day. It's not just about happily ever after in heaven. Yes, that's a wonderful thing that we're going to be in his presence one day. But as we're here now, God has made a difference in our lives. And as I think about what does this mean for every single day, well, I have to ask myself, you know, uh, am, I, am I more gentle when I see this presented to me, a list like this, a description of spirituality? What are some things that God would do through me if I chose to be more gentle? Because like I said at the start, like if the fruit of the Spirit were brashness and being opinionated, easy. God would use me like no man's business. Uh, but God has said, especially in what we're looking at today, Peter, the fruit of sp- sp- the Spirit or, or spirituality, it's gentle. It's self-controlled. What does God want to do through me if I would be more gentle? more self-controlled. How, how would others see God better in me if I were more gentle, if I didn't assert my rights so often? You know, like Moses was hounded by, by people over some sin that they thought was in his life, how would God be more evident if I didn't defend myself so quickly when someone says something about me? How would people see God better if, if I didn't react so quickly in traffic or if I didn't uh, so quickly be a little judgy about, about things around me, how would people see God better? And it makes sense, doesn't it? Like, it's just so simple. We say these things. But as the song said before, like, let, let, our, let our deeds outrun our words. You know, we, we sing these songs and, and we say these things about what God means to us and how he changes our lives. But let our deeds outrun our words. We've got to choose to be more kind. I've got to choose to be more gentle. I've got to, be, got to choose to be less reactionary. This is not saying you let sin slide by. There are times where we should be absolutely appalled by the things we see in the world. There are absolute injustices that we need to respond to. We're not talking about that. We're talking about self-control that evidences God inside us. After all, God has invested his spirit in us so that we can have gentleness and self-control. Remember, we're no longer bound by sin. We're no longer controlled by that. We're now controlled by the spirit. God has given us the spirit so that we can have gentleness so that we can be self-controlled. In fact, God has invested his spirit in us so that we can have... It's a, it's a full life with, with all these things. God has put his spirit in us so that we can have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He's paid that for us. And just like the fruit from one tree can have different proportions in its characteristics, some are more orange, some have less seeds, some are kind of bumpy and gnarly, so too, even though we should be able to describe our lives and actions as the fruit of the Spirit, 
Some people naturally are a little more orange, a little more bumpy, a little more loving, a little more patient. And that's really easy to rest on those things. I think, uh, I think sometimes I do that. I, if I think of especially gentleness and self-control, sometimes I go, well, it's okay, I'm, I'm good in, in other aspects. But God wants us as mature believers who are spiritual to be rounded in this. Ideally, God wants us reaching our potential in his investment in us, in all these things. That's reaching our spiritual potential. Remember, the Holy Spirit is like God's down payment or, in, or his investment in our souls. And that's not a flippant statement. That's just not like cool and poetic. It is literally, the Holy Spirit is our down payment on our inheritance until the redemption of God's own possession. To the praise of his glory. His glory rests on this investment in us. This list that Paul has given us, this description of what the, the fruit of the Spirit is, this isn't some throwaway little, gosh, guys, be kind to each other. This is a, the Holy Spirit was the down payment, and this is what God wants for his money. How we live our lives is the fruit, it's the interest, it's the payout on his investment in us. Jesus died so that we could have the Spirit, and the Spirit is in us so that we can show the fruit of the Spirit. That's living out our full potential. That's letting God's savings investment grow. Can I rephrase that uh, maybe a little? The return on God's investment in you and in me, the payout looks like this. It's loving. It's joyous. It's peaceful, it's patient, it's kind. You know what, the list is long. I'm going to do this one at a time. The return on God's investment is loving. The return on God's investment is joyous. The return on God's investment is peaceful. The return on God's investment in us is patient. The return on God's investment in us is kind. The return of God's investment in us is good. The return of God's investment in us is faithful. God's investment in us is gentle. And it's self-controlled. Is God getting his money's worth? Like I said, I was really apprehensive to, to speak on this today. Because I really, like if I'm honest, sometimes. Is he wasting his money in this little aspect? And do I distract myself with the others? I don't know. As we wind up this series next week, Tim's going to wind everything up. Um, uh, I'm asking God to show me how I do on this, to be as honest as, as he wants to be with me. And I'd encourage you to do the same. Make a list of all these characteristics, however, however you want to do that. Write it down or just spend some time meditating. But make a list of these characteristics of spirituality because that's what they are. It's the fruit of God's spirit in us. Make a list of these characteristics and rate yourself. Don't rate other people. Please don't rate other people. Please don't rate me. But ask God to show you and ask him to lead you because this is his investment. He's paid so much for your soul 
and he wants this to, to bear fruit now. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your words to Paul. For the wisdom you gave him and your literal inspiration uh, for him to bring your words to us. God, as these are the opposite of the works of the flesh, the thing that used to control us, as these are the spirit now flowering, if you will, or, or making its abundance come out through us, may we be loving and joyous and peaceful and patient and kind and good and faithful and gentle. God, may we be gentle. May we be self-controlled, not reacting so much. And in uh, Paul's own little way, as he said, it's, it's never illegal to do these things. We've got no excuse. May we be honest with ourselves, God, and, and may we give you the permission to be honest with us. God, change us. Even if we're doing so well in all of these, God, change us so that we would do more. Help us show grace to people, to show your love, and that in this fruit of your spirit paid into us as our inheritance, may we do better for you. Thank you that we can, because you promise it. Lord, thank you so much for your willingness to love us in this way, here and now, not just later on. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen.